Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 70. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Vala Magulis. <laughs> no Dom this week, like we said last week, he's going to be gone for a couple of weeks, so it's just going to be me and Jordan talking about whatever the hell we want to talk about. Uh, um, yeah, so as far as what we've been playing, um, I didn't really have a chance again this week to play anything. Um, my best friend since like the age of like five was in town. He's in the army, so he was back visiting, and I've just tried to spend as much time as I can uh, talking to him and stuff like that and uh, hanging out. So I didn't really have enough time to play any games. Obviously, watch his Game of Thrones season finale. Obviously, I don't want to spoil anything for people because I'll immediately tune out. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the season finale, and I, I'm excited for the last season. Hopefully, I have a feeling it's not going to be out till 2019, unfortunately, but. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the season finale, uh, and I didn't play anything, I haven't watched anything uh, outside of Game of Thrones, so pretty boring, nothing week for me. So, Okay, well, uh, just my thoughts on Game of Thrones real quick. I was a little bit underwhelmed with the finale. I think it was better than the episode before that I actually had some uh, sizable issues with, uh, but I did think it was solid, definitely not one of my favorite finales. Um, mostly just because I felt like it was extremely predictable. Um, the stuff, the big stuff that happened was all stuff that, uh, I think most of us saw coming. I know, uh, a lot of the stuff we had even talked about on this show. So, um, I thought that, uh, that was a little bit unfortunate. Maybe they were, um, you know, playing their hand a little too early with some of that stuff. Uh, or maybe we're just... Um, we're at that point where certain things have to happen to kind of fit into the overall Game of Thrones story arc and yeah. so we kind of know that certain things are going to uh, just have to fit into place eventually theories that have been uh, talked about on the internet for years and years at this point so um, yeah, but it was solid I definitely don't think it needed to be an hour and a half long um, but it was good and um, as far as season eight not being out until 2019, uh, that was actually something that I was thinking about a lot with this was that I think, uh, you know, years into the future, this is going to go down. Uh, basically, the decision they made to shorten these last two seasons, I think, is going to go down as a really poor decision on behalf of the showrunners because obviously it changed the pacing. But to me, it also, because of that change of pace, there were also indirect uh, changes that were made um, that they didn't necessarily intend. I think it changed the format of the show in a lot of ways and turned it into something a lot more, um, obviously Game of Thrones is mainstream at this point, but obvious, but it was kind of more just like a, a regular mainstream show, uh, which in my opinion brought the quality down. Um, so... Yeah, there's definitely some issues I have there. I think, you know, when you're this far into such an, a big epic uh, like Game of Thrones, I do think that you should just go ahead and finish off these last two seasons with ten episodes, especially because of the fact that these last two episodes were extended. So it's like, well, that's basically, I mean, they it was 40 extra minutes. That's nearly another episode right there, and then you just got to do one more. I understand that this is clearly a big undertaking, and... Uh, the cast and crew are probably a little bit worn out at this point, but I do think um, 
it's going to go down as a pretty poor decision in history just because I think you should have, you know, you've, you've come this far in the race, and I think you should just cross the finish line running as fast as you can. Um, so do you have any rebuttals there on that, Jared? Uh, yeah, I don't think the quality of the show has necessarily gone down. Uh, I do think the I wouldn't pacing... Say it's, I wouldn't say it's too considerable, but I just, I've noticed it. I think the ch- the pacing has been so jarring, the change of pace, that, yeah. in my opinion, has dropped the quality just a little bit. Not, it's not, I still think it's the best show on TV as far as production and the scale of it and the, um, just overall viewing experience. Yeah, my my biggest thing is I think the reason it's shorter seasons is for a couple of factors, obviously. One being budget. Two being that, I mean, for the rest of the seasons, they kind of had, well, they did. They had books to go off of, right? So they had tons of stuff right. to pull from. They could pick and choose. They can change things they wanted. And from what we've kind of heard is that for these last couple of seasons when we're getting towards the end of the show and the end of the story is that they basically got, like, cliff notes from George R. R. Martin about, like, right. these are the major milestones you need to hit. This is how the story ends. That, right? Yeah. Right. I think them not having the books to pull from and them kind of just having cliff notes is why there's pacing issues is because they basically got all of the need-to-know things, so they're figuring out how to tie this to this to this. But they sure. don't have all they you know what I mean? I think them not having the books is the is the biggest factor in, in the show being different. I don't think I think that's the biggest factor, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Is it's 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 glaring to sh- to see that the they obviously don't have books to pull from. And I don't think yeah. I, obviously I still think it's a great show, but you there's definitely a, you can definitely see a lot more f- flaws than normal mm-hmm. because they don't have those books to pull from. Um, yeah. And I think the reason that this finale, I enjoyed it. I don't think it was one of the strongest finales. I still, I mean, season six finale I think was really strong. There's a lot, a lot of the seasons have really strong finales. I think this one was weaker because, in a way, season uh, the next two seasons are uh, seven and eight are one season I think kind of in my brain, and they're kind of splitting it into two. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think I think of this as more as of like a mid-season finale. You kind of even see that because it's like a, it's a major cliffhanger. I don't. Memory might serve me wrong, but has there been another cliffhanger this like dramatic at the end of a Game of Thrones season? In some ways, I think this actually, without spoiling the ending of this season, you've seen it, so you'll know what I'm talking about, Jared. I think this really reminds me of, I think it was either two or three, I know it was one of those two, where you see the White Walkers walking. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's basically just panning over their entire army, and you start seeing the generals on the horses and stuff like that. This was very reminiscent of that. And um, that was a cliffhanger, even though it didn't necessarily uh, matter. You know, it, it wasn't yeah. like immediately uh, something that had to be dealt with, obviously, with us still waiting for the White Walkers to, be, uh, to start this war. Um, but I do agree with what you're saying that the biggest reason that we're having these major shifts in the show is because of them uh, running out of book, essentially. And uh, I think, but I still think that's also a poor decision on the side of the showrunners because, as I think I mentioned when I talked about finishing the first book and watching the first season again, they were kind of adapting them basically one for one where season one is book one season two is book two and then it starts to get muddy from there season three is basically the first half of book three 
and then the second half of book three is season four but then they uh, mix a lot of the start mixing a lot of elements in season four especially um, and so if it had been uh, one for one or even one for like half of a book to where uh, season three is first half of book three and then season four is only uh, the second half of book three um, and then from there on obviously they would be going uh, way longer and have a lot of seasons um, but I just think that it would have worked better as far as uh, the true adaptation that it seemed like they were going for in the beginning that it seems obviously they've got away from since they're not even really adapting anything at this point other than the world of Game of Thrones itself. I really so. wish they would have just like made it and this sounds crummy to say because I don't want to rush writers like George R. R. Martin is obviously a fantastic writer and you don't want to rush people but yeah. like if I was HBO I kind of would have been like hey we're adapting the show where you need to contractually be obligated to finishing the books in a set timeline yeah. I don't know that, that's my personal onus on it and I don't want to rush the guy but to some extent it's like you're kind of hurting your own world you created and I'm not saying it's only on him obviously there's a lot more people involved and it's not just his fault but he's I mean, the man who writes the books and the books aren't books, finished novels are singular form of media in that sense yeah. where like it is really the one guy yeah. unless it's a double author uh, deal it really is him it really is his deal and it's not like a movie production where he's like well but this the director of photography didn't show <laughs> yeah. up or something it's like you're the one writing the book there's editors but you're the one writing the book and so I actually totally agree with what you're saying but even going into the first uh, season he it was already known that he was taking a long time to write these yeah. books because obviously he was uh, even earlier in the series at that point but um, I do think you know that is sort of a whole other conversation we could have but I will say that um, it's clear that he's had issues you know, one being the fact that this property has exploded in popularity has definitely affected him and his writing. He, I'm pretty sure he added another book onto the series that wasn't originally going to be there. Because um, we're now waiting for two books as opposed to just the one final, I think, is how it was yeah. originally supposed to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I do think that it probably would have been a good idea for HBO to be like, all right, we need to work out some deal where we know when the book's going to be out so that we can hit this date and you know what you're doing he's he's been vocal about the fact that he's had issues writing it that he's stopped and started that he's you know thrown some stuff out but at this point um uh, it is kind of like all right dude you need to put up or shut up because um uh, it's time you know it, it, it needs to happen uh, and then on the other end of that i do think that it is kind of weird that um you know, if the showrunners want to do less episodes, the reports were that they were kind of worn out, and that's why they made this decision. Yeah. If that's the case, I can abide by that, but I do think it is weird that they're like, yeah, we're going to have less episodes, so it's less of a burden on us and the ca uh, the crew, but it's also going to take us longer to do a shorter amount of episodes. Like, we're going to have to wait an extra year, seemingly, yeah. for this final season. More that than likely, yeah. Is, we're assuming, but really it's drive. like... <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we've done ten episodes every year. Uh, now we're only going to be able to do seven, and it's going to take a year and a half for season seven to come out. I realize that was for uh, weather reasons, they were saying. But then for season eight, that's going to take a whole two years, and it's not even going to be ten episodes. I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't know if I really buy that totally. So, 
Yeah. Um, obviously, this is a deep Game of Thrones discussion we're having here, <laughs> but it was the season seven finale. I think that's big enough reason to talk about it, and I think we've done a good job of not spoiling it. So, um, before you hop into what you played, I just want to say on a positive note, I'm excited for season eight, so I'm soaked. Oh, Can't absolutely. Wait. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, after. I remember, it's funny because going back and watching first season that I've just finished now, uh, it's funny that I remember the promos for season one. You know, I remember like, oh, what's this? HBO's doing a fantasy series? This this could be cool. I think I'll check this out. And then, you know, really getting into it and then sticking through the series this whole time. I've talked about how rewarding I think this season was towards the beginning mostly, but I still think that these last couple episodes haven't been bad and they've been better than a lot of TV series uh, great episodes or best episodes so I'm totally psyched for season 8 and I do think that they're going to end it well you know I don't think they're going to screw yeah. that up so um, um, besides the finale what did you, did you play anything this week? yeah so what I've been playing is um, Uncharted Lost Legacy ooh cool and I've uh, been playing it on a PS4 Pro so that's worth noting because uh, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous game, and of course, Uncharted 4, which this is, you know, the architecture of, uh, is one of the best-looking games out there, so um, it's gorgeous, and then you'll be surprised, Jared, I'm quite enjoying the gameplay itself. Wow. <laughs> I kind of wish that we had Dom on the show just for that one reason, um, but we could talk about that with him later on, but uh, yeah, I'm actually enjoying the gameplay. I think because of the fact that the pacing is different because it is a shorter truncated version of a regular Uncharted game, right? So yeah, um, you're not, uh, at least I haven't been thus far, been kind of uh, almost panting out of breath waiting for that next cutscene. Like, all right, dude, let's just move on past this uh, lackluster shooting. I also feel like the shooting is tightened up just enough from Uncharted 4, which... Um, is anybody's guess really because who knows how much they fiddled with that but I do think if they were going to basically make another fully fledged Uncharted game like they did here I feel like they would have tweaked that a little bit and I do think it is a little bit better um, and then yeah the puzzles the way that they weave it into the story and then the way that they do this open world that they've got going on I think are all really well done and it is showing Naughty Dog growing in a positive direction for me. So, yeah, I've got uh, really pretty much only positive things to say about uh, Lost Legacy. I'm really enjoying Chloe and Nadine. Um, that dynamic is very cool. Um, Chloe being more uh, playful and kind of a, a gallivanting uh, Indiana Jones type and Nadine more being about uh, the rough and tumble all about her business uh, sort of deal so it is a very enjoyable game thus far um, well, really quick I think it's great too to see that you know Naughty Dog can ship a game that people like and Neil Druckmann doesn't have to be leading it I think that's really positive too like I think that kind of alleviates a lot of pressure I think for, for Neil Druckmann not to say he doesn't have a lot of pressure on him with Last of Us Part 2 and stuff but right. um, it, I think it's good for him too to see like oh, I have a team that's confident enough in themselves and understand the quality that Naughty Dog needs to distribute that right. even if I'm not the lead, we can release something that's great. And I think that's really cool for a studio. I think that's really awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, you know, as we grow closer and closer, I am getting more excited for uh, The Last of Us Part Two. I think um, 
The Last of Us is a special game, even though I do think it is overrated. I think it's great. I think the story's incredible. Um, and obviously the voice acting and the motion capture is the same uh, excellent caliber, just like all of their uh, modern games have been. PS3 and forward, I should say. Um, so, I'm, so I'm getting more excited for that. And then uh, that actually transitions into the next thing I was going to talk about, which is a movie that I watched last night called It Comes at Night. I've been wanting to see you, that. You've heard of it? Yeah, I've, I've wanted to watch it in theaters and then it just passed me by. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is a really interesting movie. It stars Joel Edgerton. Uh, who, in my opinion, is a very underrated actor. I think he's everything I see him in. He's like really interesting and really brings some, some uh, kind of a special sauce to the table that a lot of actors just don't seem to have. And he's no different in this. He's absolutely spectacular. Um, so this movie is uh, basically a post-apocalyptic. Uh, drama, in my opinion, with horror elements as opposed to being a horror movie with, you know, dramatic elements. It is more of a uh, character drama and a kind of a psychological uh, drama. And um, it is something that I think was marketed as more of a horror movie, but um, it also feels like once you get in there, I don't know. I'm one of those people, we've had this conversation that I have stopped watching trailers and kind of just going into things that I know I'm going to at least enjoy the experience of uh, a little more blind. And uh, this was definitely like that where I uh, didn't know really anything about this movie other than the fact that it was getting uh, high scores on Rotten Tomatoes and that Joel Edgerton was starring in it. And um, so I went into it with looking at the posters thinking oh this is a horror movie and that's definitely the vibe it gives you that's kind of what the title implies and uh so it's definitely not your traditional horror movie where you're just constantly like they're trying to scare you it is more like drama with horror elements and so um i think that if there's people out there that are thinking about seeing this movie or you yourself i think that would actually be a good thing to know because there has been kind of an outcry of people uh, a little upset with the way that the movie is handled. Uh, with that being said, um, since you're wanting to see it, I won't say too much, but it is, I really enjoyed it. I love the movie, um, the horror elements, the dramatic elements. Uh, the reason that I was tying it into The Last of Us is because this felt like an awesome Last of Us movie. Um, cool. The post-apocalyptic side of it is basically just people are sick in their... Uh, I won't really go into like what happens to their bodies, but obviously they don't turn into like the mushroom heads of the uh, of the Last of Us universe. But even still, if you just kind of um, pretend like they are, almost um, it feels so much like a Last of Us movie. And matter of fact, I think Joel Edgerton would be a great Joel from the Last of Us. He has that look in this uh, movie. He's got the beard and and totally has that vibe about him. Um, which I don't know if that'll happen or not, but either way, I think this has that same vibe of The Last of Us of like people having to go through situations that they are having, you know, really tough time dealing with. Um, and, you know, shit happens the way it does because it's just fucked up and there's not much you can do about it. So um, I won't say anything else just because, like I said, I don't want to um, 
not spoil it, but I don't want to even really give you too many hints about anything because I think it is a really special experience. Um, and I definitely recommend it highly. Um, other than that, I've been watching... Uh, I have been going through the DC Animated Universe, so uh, I'm pretty much finished up with Batman the Animated Series, I've finished Superman the Animated Series, so I'll be starting Justice League very soon, um, and this is like, this is some of my favorite shows of all time, man, this is like shit that I love to my core, uh, the reason that I'm such a big Batman fan, um, the reason that I'm so into animation, I think in general. Um, so yeah, these are really special shows to me and I've been just enjoying the crap out of them watching them as an adult and, and, um, uh, with the knowledge that I have now, I guess. Um, and then I also finished both The Defenders and Ozark on Netflix. Um, actually watched both of those in 4K, both beautiful, well shot series. Uh, Defenders was, um, kind of what I was talking about hoping for out of this series was that, you know... I'm really excited to see if they can kind of corral this Marvel Netflix uh, deal back in, uh, rein it back in a little bit, and kind of get it moving forward again, because a lot of people were upset at Iron Fist. I liked Iron Fist, but didn't love Luke Cage or Jessica Jones, the individual series. Um, and I think this series did a good job of, of bringing these heroes together. Lots of great action. Uh, decent drama, solid drama, I should say. And... Um, definitely gets me excited for the future uh they get a little punisher teaser at the end i'm very excited for that and of course i'm extremely excited for uh daredevil season three which um, has already been announced and i think that is absolutely the highlight of the marvel netflix universe that they've got going on so that and then ozark is just a really cool uh crime drama um it actually it's getting compared a lot to Breaking Bad, and I think that those comparisons are totally apt because it's about a guy who's doing money laundering, which they do a lot of in Breaking Bad. Um, and this deals with what are my favorite parts of uh, Breaking Bad, which is um, not necessarily the meth production or dealing with the cartel or anything like that. It's more like the underground seedy parts of America that you don't usually get to see but that are totally there and totally exist and there's these businesses being run this way or that way um, kind of like the the vacuum cleaner guy that um, helps people escape if they need a new identity in Breaking Bad, stuff like that um, this show's all about that and uh, I originally thought that it was going to be more of a uh, oh, you know, this middle-aged man is, is disillusioned with his p p white picket fence American lifestyle and, uh, you know, wants to get into something a little bit more interesting. And so he starts money laundering, and that's not what it is at all. It's totally different than that, and I was pleasantly surprised. So um, a lot of stuff there, but a lot of enjoyable stuff as well, a lot of really cool stuff that I've been really into. So, yeah. Nice. I, uh... Right now, since Game of Thrones has ended, unfortunately, I'm either looking at starting up Mad Men, and these are all not like I'm doing one and not the others, but like I'm next up, I'm either thinking about starting up Mad Men, watching Ozark since it's only one season, uh, yeah. or uh, watching Luke Cage and then Iron Fist, because um, those are the two I haven't seen those yet. I'm not just gonna jump into the Defenders because I have an OCD complex about that of like I can't just jump in if I you know what I mean. Um, it definitely ties in and it's a continuity of those series. Yeah. Um, 
Luke Cage would be first, and then Iron Fist right before Defenders. So yeah, yeah, I would say it's absolutely worth it. But I would say, I think my vote is for you to watch Ozark first because uh, it is only ten episodes. It is something very enjoyable. It's different than Breaking Bad. I think the reasons that you don't like Breaking Bad aren't present here in Ozark, okay. and uh, it is. Uh, it's just it's really well done, man. It's a really good series. So that's what I would recommend. But I think you should, you know, check out all those series because they're all <laughs> yeah. great at some point. Uh, okay, let's hop into the news, guys. So um, as of the day of recording this, uh, Nintendo had a, uh, a Nindy showcase uh, where they show off all their in- independent games that are coming to the Switch. They showed off, I think, like 20-some games. I'm only going to tell you guys about the games that I thought looked... I think all the games had something to them, but I'm just going to talk about the ones that I felt... Um, I like the most, uh, and obviously you can. The links will be in the description. You can go and look at uh, the list and figure out what you like the most as well. Um, so the first game I want to talk about is Floor Kids. This game's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's from a developer called Merge. It's a rhythm-based breakdancing game, and yeah. it, it looks really cool. It has a hand-drawn style to it where it's a lot more organic. It has a lot of the sketch lines in it. Um, I'm not really a rhythm rhythm game kind of guy. Um, but I think it looks interesting enough. It looks unique enough. It does look rough, but I think that adds to its art style. Um, yeah, it just looks like a really cool time. I think price point is going to be huge on this game, um, depending on where it comes out. I think it could sell decently well because people love rhythm games, especially I think on handhelds. Rhythm games are something cool to have that's unique on a handheld system that I think feels different. Um, I don't know. For me, playing like uh, outside of, like Guitar Hero and stuff, playing like other rhythm games on a console doesn't seem fun to me for me rhythm games are in the arcade or they're like mobile but that's just my weird hang-up mm-hmm. um the next game that i thought looked interesting which i didn't think love, when I love the name floor kids by the way yeah i love it too um <laughs> next up golf story from sidebar games now obviously everybody's golf uh the new hot shots golf essentially everybody's loving that and it's cool and all this golf story game looks very interesting it's a role-playing game but the primary combat in the game is playing golf. And that sounds odd. Um, but basically, I'm going to read you the, the type of they have here. Most role-playing games are about slaying dragons or retrieving mystical crystals. But what about an RPG that lets players equip golf clubs instead of swords? In this golf RPG, yes, it's a thing. Play through a dramatic story with a diverse cast of characters to meet uh, golf challenges to be upgrades to earn and equipment to collect. Golf Story launches exclusively on Nintendo Switch in September. This is a game that I'm going to pick up when I get my Switch next month, to be quite honest oh, with you. Nice. And I'm not even I'm not even a golf guy. Uh, the game, <laughs> I love the aesthetic. It looks very beautiful. It looks really fun. I like odd combinations of things, and an RPG where you play golf is really cool to me. Um, yeah. Next up, one of the biggest uh, titles that we've known for a while that's coming to uh, the Switch, but we didn't really have a release date, a, a set release date. Uh, was SteamWorld Dig 2. Uh, we have a release date now, September 21st, which is my birthday. Um, this game looks nice. cool. A, a lot of people love SteamWorld Dig. It's a game that I don't think a lot of people heard about, but when pe- when you talk to people who played the game, they absolutely loved it. Um, yep. Yeah, it looks... It's very odd world to me, too, personally. Like, when I look at it, it has, a, like, that weird aesthetic of, like... Yeah. M- maybe even, like, um, Nidhogg 2. That same kind of, like awkward weird artistic style um next up uh travis strikes again no more heroes so this is the the no more heroes game that's coming to uh switch that was uh teased earlier this year 
um, with the announcement in January. Pseudo51 was apparently working on a No More Heroes game, and they announced it. It's Pseudo51 with Grasshopper Manufacturer. Um, I'm not familiar with No More Heroes. I didn't really like the trailer personally. It looked very... Uh, I don't want to say niche because that's wrong, but like... If you're a fan of No More, I think it was a very fan servicey trailer. If that makes sense for me, not being a fan of No More Heroes, it did nothing for me. It didn't excite me for a franchise I know nothing about. I was just like, "So what's going on?" Um, very weird to me. But it seems like a lot of people are excited about it. Didn't do anything for me personally. Um, the last two announcements were the ones that meant the most to me, um, which were Shovel Knight King of Cards, which is the final expansion yeah. for the first Shovel Knight. You get this for free if you already. Um, own Shovel Knight, um, but basically what it is is it's King Knight's story and it's his story of how he came to be the king, and uh, they actually showed a glimpse of the king prior to him, and it's this big, muscly, bound dude, and it looks really interesting. Obviously, each new expansion has its own mechanics for that particular character. Um, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this for a number of reasons. One, the mechanics they showed off in the trailer look very interesting for King Knight. Two. This is the last promised piece for the original Shovel Knight, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen after this is done. Um, I appreciate them holding true to all of their Kickstarter backers, and they haven't phoned this in either. Like, they could have easily made three expansions where it's just a skin swap, right? Essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they've gone through and they've remade the levels, they've redone them, they've added new mechanics, they've added a whole new storylines. Like,. They actually put a lot of heart into it, and for me, I don't really see them as, like, simple DLC. I see them as, I guess, they're appropriately named. They're, like, expansions to the story, you know? Yeah, they're they're extra episodes. Exactly, and I love that, and I'm excited to play this, but like I said, I'm also excited to see what the future holds for Yacht Club Games, because now, once this releases, which is it's coming out in early 2018 we're going to be good to go and we're going to see where they go. Is it Shovel Knight 2? Is it the same art style? Do they do they go up to uh you know uh polygons like what, what exactly is it not even going to be Shovel Knight? Like what's their next project, right? Yeah. I'm just excited to see what happens there. And the number one announcement for me with this, it led the whole showcase was uh, Super Meat Boy Forever from Team Meat. I love Super Meat Boy. Very hard game, uh beautiful platformer. So that game was all about a Meat Boy obviously getting Bandage Girl. And he had to fight Dr. Fetus. This one, they have a kid named Nugget, which I think is a great name. Uh, and Dr. Fetus uh, kidnaps Nugget. And from the trailer, they didn't show it, but I'm pretty sure it seems like you're going to... The story is you playing as Meat Boy and as Bandage Girl back and forth. Um, just because when the kid's stolen, they kind of jump up together and clap hands. So I think they're kind of like leaning towards, hey, this is going to be more with the couple and not just Meat Boy. Um, they added a couple of new mechanics. There's just like punch mechanic. Um, there's enemy. There's more enemy variations. Uh, it well, looks it's a different game type, isn't it? It's a. I read that it was a uh, endless runner platformer. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not the set stages where it's like speed running like the other ones were, where it's a set stage. Um, from what they've said, the stages get harder when you beat them. Um, they're adding. They're going to be adding more stages. It seems like this is Super Meat Boy Evolved, um, mm. and some people. I think I've seen some comments. This was only announced this morning, but like I've already seen the internet, you know, and their comments. Some people are like, "This isn't the the original Meat Boy." Uh, you know, I, I wanted something more direct of a sequel. Some people are saying, you know, this doesn't even. 
it, it looks like a like a Super Meat Boy game, but it doesn't. It's not going to feel like it. Which how do you know that if you haven't played it? For me, um, and this is a weird analogy, I know, uh, or at least a pairing. Um, people are kind of having the same discussion with Taylor Swift and her new song, where it's like doesn't sound anything like the Taylor Swift to remember. Completely different. Uh, why doesn't she just stick to what she's good at? And I'm not saying anything about whether the song is good or bad. But I think as artists and creators, you it's it's your onus to challenge yourself and to try new things. And for Super Meat Boy Forever, I think it's them trying something familiar but different. And I'm all yeah. for it. I may not like the game, but I'm willing to take the, the risk, and I'm glad they did, um, to check out this game. And I, I think it's easy to make a sequel that's the same game, just more of the, the, the first game. And, you know, yeah. being able to evolve your sequel, I think, is huge, so... Well, we talked about that last week with Biomutant and just yeah. wanting to see new things in the industry, so I'm definitely down with that as well. Yeah, and this game will be perfect on Nintendo Switch. Going along this, uh, really quick before I move on to the next news story, I think Nintendo Switch is in a good spot where we're talking about, like, it's not powerful enough to be able to get the third parties to come over, right? Which kind of yeah. sucks because it's kind of this middleware uh, console. But it is powerful enough for these ports of PC games that don't really come to console or don't feel right playing on a controller. Maybe it's just more convenient to play them on the go. You know, your Stardew Valleys, your Owl Boys, your Hollow Knights, uh, even Super Meat Boy to some extent. Like, those games are good on console, and I played it on Xbox, and I like playing Super Meat Boy, but playing on a handheld, I think, would feel so much better. And I think that Switch, if they keep having these tentpole first-party games, have the third parties here and there, but have a rush of these these critically acclaimed indies, I think that's a nice spot to fit in where you're not having the people owning a Switch complaining, I'm not getting all these third-party games. They're like, I have all the Nintendo games I love, and I have all these badass indie games that I love too, you know? And I think that yeah. can... That, it, they, they kind, I think they're kind of figuring out that we don't have to try to pull in all these third parties. We just have to try to have a constant flow of great indie games and our pillars that we're known for. And I think that's a good yeah. place to be because I don't the 3DS I don't think was powerful enough for the games obviously, and the right. indie games the 3DS had, in my opinion, weren't really high quality. They were kind of like one step above mobile games for the most part. Whereas the Switch is powerful enough to bring these games over, but they're not powerful enough for the third party. So I think it's this nice compromise that they found, and I'm excited for it because once I own my Switch, whenever an indie game comes out, the first thing I'm going to think about personally is, is it coming to Switch? That's probably where I'm going to buy it and play it. So Yeah. I, yeah. I'm i not in love with the fact that that's where they are, but that's the console they decided to make, and yeah. you know, that's, that's where they're at. We'll see if um, that's going to last them, and if people aren't um, upset with the, the handling of it by the towards the end of the life cycle but yeah um it's it's not bad i wouldn't say it's you know shitty or anything and they're certainly um especially coming into this fall i think they are building up a decent stable of indies to support those uh first party games i think you know once mario's out i think it'll be a, a different story for this which you'll have to re we'll have to reevaluate it then yeah, but I'm just saying, like, for me, I understand where you're coming from. For me, it hits my personal needs of, like, yeah, big 30-party part third-party games, I want to play on my Xbox. I don't really want to play them on a Nintendo console. If I owned a PlayStation, I'd want to play them on, on the PlayStation. I mean, that being said, we don't live in a world where all these third parties are coming to the Switch, so I don't know if I would actually want them. You know what I mean? It's one of those yeah. things, like, I'm saying I wouldn't want them on there, 
because I don't have them. Who's you know what I mean? Um, hey, so, I mean, you know. But it seems like it is floating your boat. For me, I think even games that would be traditionally uh, handheld, I actually like playing them on a big screen. Like I was uh, emulating uh, Metroid Zero Mission the other day, which is a Game Boy Advance game on my big, you know, 4K 55-inch hmm. uh, TV, and I was loving it because, um, you know, it wasn't like stretching out the pixels, it was it was working because um, everything was proportioned correctly, I guess is the best way to put it, and, um, you know, I was playing with a Xbox 360 controller, and obviously that's, you know, a very jacked up version of, of the way that originally came out but i was i was loving it and it looked great and felt great sounded great so you know just different strokes for different well folks i yeah and to that point i i because i own shovel knight on 3ds and xbox uh i like the xbox version way more i didn't like playing shovel knight on a 3ds for some reason i don't know why it just didn't click for me i just didn't like i don't really like the d-pad on the 3ds to be completely honest with you um yeah I just don't like it. Uh, as much shit as people get for... I think the Xbox 360 D-pad is worse than the Xbox One D-pad, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I actually and, don't love either of them because the... Uh, it's funny because the 360 one is too soft, and then the Xbox One D-pad is too clicky. It's, like, too hard-punching. Yeah, um, I love so that, I actually though. actually, like, I like some middle ground, like, <laughs> yeah. actually the 3DS or maybe, you know, yeah. the, the DualShock 4. So, I need yeah, a I mean, firm... <laughs> yeah, this is why we have those the different systems and the handhelds and that because you know everyone's different. different. People like yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it works better that way. Exactly. Like, and I think that goes to the third party argument of like, yeah, I might not want it on a Switch, but who's to say somebody else doesn't? And it's like, the more often we have games that come out on everything, and it's up to the consumer to choose where to buy it. Awesome, because then they get to choose where it's more comfortable. Um, yeah. The second news story here, this is, we're not going to go too long, this isn't a huge thing, going off of talking about the Xbox One controller, it's official, Microsoft has confirmed that it, it has entirely discontinued the original Xbox One model, aka the VCR Xbox. Um, yeah. I'm okay with this, this isn't like, some people are mad about this, which I'm like, why are you mad about, like, I, no one, the constant, the, the, I didn't think it was as ugly as people talked it up to be but the xbox yeah. one s and the xbox one x are way more beautiful than it so i'm like yeah get rid of the ugly stepchild you know just well and it. they don't it would be bad for them to have three skews exactly going at once yep and i think this is the best way to do it you know it's it's time it's not like they did it a year and a half after the thing came out you know so exactly and who's they officially confirmed this but this has probably been in the works forever i think once the xbox one s was announced and started coming out they started halting production on the original one um i would hope so yeah i wouldn't say it was cheaper to manufacture because just because it's smaller doesn't mean it's cheaper because obviously the xbox one s has the 4k blu-ray player and stuff like that so i'm not right. going to say that it's obviously cheaper to manufacture but um yeah just the three skew thing is way too confusing we already have the confusion for people with s and x much less the regular one the x and the s so yeah good riddance see you later so now i have a limited edition xbox <laughs> yeah there you uh, go and the last news story here once again this is kind of uh, a lead in uh to a bigger story um we've wondered jordan and i uh and dom where is season two of game of thrones it's actually listed on the telltale website We've been wondering, when is it coming? We just finished Season 7. Um, Eurogamer had an interview with Telltale, and they asked him straight up. They're like, well, is Game of Thrones uh, Season 2 coming out with The Wolf Among Us? Like, where is it? Thank 
goodness for Eurogamer because when <laughs> they had all those announcements a couple weeks ago and they didn't say shit about Game of Thrones, I was like, yeah. what the fuck is also, going no on? Also, one, no one asked about it, which is weird. I'm like, once they announced yeah. this, I'm, I would have hoped people flooded them with, where's Game of Thrones? Um, yeah. Excuse me. And he, they basically replied, uh, no, not long after the conclusion of the first season, uh, first season, we said we would be continuing it, and we have designs on the future of Telltale's Game of Thrones, but right now that is on hold. Um, so yeah, that sucks. It's it's a weird messaging because Telltale has been known to come back to a series after a prolonged amount of time, so we don't know yeah. if this is, it's on hold where it's never happening, or it's on hold, yeah, it's actually on hold. Um, we don't know, you know, they work hand in hand with the rights owners for all of these properties because obviously Telltale doesn't work with any original IP. They adapt other people's IP. We don't know what exactly the timeline is of what if, you know, they're like, hey, you can release a second season, but we want it to take place after this point, and this point isn't until, you know what I mean? I think it's, they're it's, in a weird it's spot. It's muddy. Yeah, exactly. It's a muddy situation because. Um, you know, we were just talking about how muddy the situation is for the TV show where they're trying to move past the books. So I totally get where they're at. And, you know, the fact that they did involve show characters kind of connects them to that. And, it, you know, if it's going to have, like, safe transfer and all of that, then it can't just be like, oh, we're going to old Valyria and it's going to be a total prequel and all this stuff. That kind of has to stick along the same timeline. So... Yeah, this does not bode well uh, for that series. I'm I'm worried about it. I have spoken on that show on this show about how much I love uh, that game and the story in that game. I think is really really good. Um, it sucks because they have this this smaller house that they were focusing on that I thought it was really interesting. That you know um, it would be cool to see where they go in the future with that. Um, and they did you know say that it was happening. Uh, on their official channels so it's like this is upsetting to say the least it's it's jacked up i have a question for you was it if was it in the credits officially that the people who voiced the characters from the show were the actual people like was um, was 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 Tyrion in the game actually voiced by peter peter dinklage was it credited yes. as that Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you about the credits themselves, but I, yeah, that it was them. It was uh, Peter Dinklage and Amelia okay. Clark and Lena Headey. Because one Hedy. of my one of my questions is, obviously, those actors are very expensive. Um, yeah. I wonder because this happens a lot, and I don't. I'm not saying this happened in this, but one thing that a lot of people don't know about is sometimes voice talent is hired to mimic other people. Like, they get hired right. because they're good at doing somebody else's voice. Yeah, speaking of, I have mentioned that I'm watching uh, Mar uh, Avengers Earth Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and it's crazy because the guy that plays Iron Man sounds so much like Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark. It's really cool how he does it. <laughs> yeah. My, my thing is, I wonder if, and this is just all a weird theory that I have, Probably not true. If they did have people come in to sound like Cersei and sound like obviously Peter Dinklage and Lena Headey and all them, I wonder if those people might be under the voice actors guild or whatever that's on strike and they can't do the game. So therefore, if they want to have characters from the show that mimic voices, there's probably not a lot of people that do that accurately. So if they are know. under the guild, they can't do it. I don't know. It's just a weird theory. I think there's I a lot of hangups to this, though. Yeah, I know. It's just I don't a, think that's it. Because, spitballing. Um, yeah, because uh, this should have been out by now. You know, yeah, this is something that 
that came out several years ago and they said immediately we're doing it again obviously uh game of thrones is the second most popular property that they have access to with i would say walking dead is probably more popular just because it's not on a subscription uh cable service it's just on regular cable i might be wrong about that but that would be my assumption a tv a tv property yeah, I'm just talking about like the popularity of the franchise itself, not of the game. Okay, because Batman's pretty huge. Oh yeah, that's true. Batman is is the definitely the the and biggest I, property. Guardians. I don't know if Guardians. I would say is bigger than Game of Thrones. It's big though. Maybe. Yeah. The, I, don't know. I, I, I that was I misspoke <laughs> yeah. there because I wasn't it's thinking fine. about Batman. No, I know that's Batman why I said is, TV shows. Yeah. Yeah, Batman is more recent, uh, obviously, in their stable of franchises that they've got going over at Telltale. But uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's bigger than Borderlands, I guess, is the best way to put it. It's bigger than Wolf Among Us, you know. Yeah. And so it's like kind of crazy that they've taken this long in the first place when they said they were going to do it. Um, it could be even, uh, you know, I thought like it's kind of crazy that Game of Thrones is such a high uh, budget. Uh, epic property that looks so good on HBO and then you come to this game and there's like <laughs> glitches yeah. all over the place and like characters faces don't look right and the backgrounds look weird and it just doesn't look very high fidelity at all and that was something that I was wondering about like would because this is uh, connected to HBO this is not just connected to George R.R. R. Martin Yeah, kind of like how Walking Dead takes place in the comic universe not the TV show universe um, so I, I could see HBO saying like, yeah, we did that, but I don't really know, man. Like your games, you guys' games kind of look shitty, and I don't know if we want to present our giant franchise like that, especially since they are going to be moving forward with um, other series within the universe after the show ends. So could be that, um, but something's fishy here because, like I said, this is one of their the biggest properties that they work with, certainly bigger than Wolf Among Us, which just got a season two announcement. And, um, yeah, they're like, even this guy's comments where he just said, you know, it's basically on hold. It was still, Steam's kind of cagey to me to where it, yeah. um, they've announced it, but then this is the only thing that's come out, you know, from an official voice over these last several years. I think it was 2015 when the game came out. It's like, come on, man. This is, it's fishy. And, and it, like I said, it just, it's upsetting for someone that it was that's I would say probably my favorite uh, Telltale game, you know. So yeah, I liked a lot. I hope I hope they get their shit together and and can do it. But same because like for point. me personally, Wolf Among Us, it was it was okay to me. And I I'm not there's a ton of fans out there, but like them doing a Wolf Among Us season two before Game of Thrones season two, there's definitely something up. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, speaking of Game of Thrones, though, there was a weird news story that ended up being a non-news story, where on Target Bethesda's Game of Thrones was listed, and people started freaking out, and then it ended up being a hoax. Obviously, um, what I want to talk about, Jordan, because we just talked about one of the issues with Telltale's season two not happening might be a quality issue, but there have been two other Game of Thrones games that came out that weren't very high quality either, so that's a tough yeah. thing there. Um, Remind I me, because I remember the... Uh, I know it was published by Atlas. I don't know who developed it. The basically RPG uh, that was Game of Thrones. is similar to like Skyrim style, even though it was nowhere near their quality. What was the other one besides that? It was a strategy game. Uh, I don't it remember was... anything about that. 
let me let me pull it up real quick. Hold on. Uh, yeah, but um, basically, what I want to talk about, and while I'm looking this up, you can start uh, on what you, on your point of view on this. I don't want to talk about Bethesda making making a Game of Thrones specifically because obviously that's just hearsay, rumor, whatever. I just want right. to talk about what we want out of a AAA Game of Thrones game. We haven't gotten that yet. Um, it's a very big property. For me, I love Game of Thrones because it's a more mature Lord of the Rings, and Lord of the Rings is like one of my favorite properties ever. Um, and it's also pretty fucking mature in its own right, so it's funny that you're totally right that exactly. it is like, you know, more bloody and more intense and stuff, um, but it is like... Yeah, well, and also one of the big gripes that people have with Tolkien um, is that he's not very good at writing f- empowered female characters that well. Mm. And it's not that he, like diminishes females in his stories it's just that there isn't really a whole lot of prominent females you know what i'm saying and right, which is obviously not the case exactly game of thrones song of ice and fire yeah exactly um yeah i just i'll, I'll go after you i'm gonna look up to figure out the name of this other game okay. i want you to start off with what you want to see out of a triple a game of thrones game we don't have to go really go into who's developing it i just want to know about like you know systems mechanics what we want out of it what would work what mm. wouldn't work mm. um well Actually, I do think a good developer for it would be Guerrilla Games, now that they've shown their promise with Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, they still have a ways to go as far as RPGs go, but I think that's such a great start that they could transition into that, even though they're clearly going to do Horizon 2. Um, but besides all that, I think, you know, the interesting thing about the Song of Ice and Fire, or a Song of Ice and Fire book series, is that... Um, you know, it's obviously in this world that has so much lore, and that's something that I talked about when I was finished reading the book, is that, uh, you know, it's such a believable world that George R. Railroad Martin builds. Um, in these books, it's just so interesting and so deep, um, and yet the timeline of the stuff that takes place within uh, the book series is pretty short, relatively. Um, and so it's kind of weird that there's so much, you know, he talks about having like 10,000 years worth of history. He's coming out, you know, we were kind of talking earlier about how he kind of just needs to get this next book done. And it's weird because he's announced, um, that he's doing another lore book, uh, for the series, uh, that might come out before the next actual novel. So that's kind of somewhat frustrating. Uh, but needless to say that that just goes to show that. Um, this universe has a shit ton of lore and so like I said it's weird that um, stuff has really only been covered within within this small period um, outside of a couple short stories that he's done that are prequels Um, and you know HBO is also developing uh, the spinoff series that I mentioned earlier so those could be prequels but uh, that's what I would like with this game is uh, something that is um because I don't think with this game, I don't think you go all the way back to like High Valyria or like the first men and the children of the forest, like yeah. way far back to like basically the beginnings of time nearly. But I do, because the thing is, is there's a lot of interesting stuff that happened uh, before, uh, let's say, the first book, right? There's, um, you know, stuff that they talk about all the time throughout the book and TV series that happened right before, which is like Robert's Rebellion, right? 
they talk about Robert's Rebellion all the fucking time, and we've never really seen it. We've only just, you know, heard stories of it, essentially. And so um, you could do something with that, but I'd even go back a little bit further, maybe to, like, uh, you know, the Dunkin' Egg timeline, um, somewhere around there, I should say, where this whole universe is established. It's not old Valyria. It is basically the world that we recognize. Um, and you already have all these houses that you would recognize um, the Lannisters and the Starks and the Baratheons and such um, but you're not dealing with any events that would have too much consequence at least over uh, the events that are currently taking place in the books so as far as the timeline goes that's where I'd like to see it as far as the gameplay goes um, I would really like to see um, a you know, another thing about this series is that magic, up until uh, where we're at in the books and the TV show, it's really kind of like gone away a little bit. So I would like to see something involving magic, so you maybe you would have to go back a little bit further. But um, it would be cool, what you were mentioning before the show, where you're building your own house, you're creating your own character and building your own house, and you're, um, you know, kind of uh, building this lineage uh, I think would be really cool so um, obviously Game of Thrones has a lot to do with a war and these big set pieces with uh, battles and such um, so it'd be cool to for it to be you know a third person action RPG third person being very important in my uh, <laughs> instance at least yeah um, where you're you know you could do sword fighting and then if it did have magic then you could do spell casting um, if it is during a time where dragons exist um, you know, during Aegon the Conqueror's time, that would be cool. Um, so yeah, I guess I would like to see mostly something that takes place in a recognizable version of that universe, but also has a lot of the magic and stuff that is, uh, involved, so it wouldn't be super close to the books, because you would have to go back farther to, to see a time, kind of like in Star Wars, where in, uh, the original trilogy, they're like, oh, what's a Jedi? And it's like, well wasn't that long ago that Jedi were a big thing so I would like to see dragons and magic and such be a big thing and uh, um, obviously a third person action RPG would be my preference so fighting a big battles swinging a sword that sort of thing um, so before we get into I'll give my hopes and dreams I want to go into the games that have been uh, developed there are three four five six, seven games that have been developed that are Game of Thrones How games. many of those are mobile games? Uh, zero. Wow. So the first game is... Uh, actually, one of them is mobile. Um, I, I skipped past it um, for obvious reasons. First game is <laughs> Blood of Dragons, which was a text-based game that came out on PC, web-based. Uh, yeah, because I think the first book came out in, like, 96. So this stuff has been around for a while. Sec well, this was, the game was released in 2007. Text-based only. Huh. Yeah. Uh, second yeah, when game, you said text-based, I was like, well, that's an old PC game then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, second game is Game of Thrones Genesis, which is a strategy video game developed by Cyanide and Focus Home Interactive. Uh, hmm. Looks pretty garbage, to be quite honest with you. Uh, <laughs> the next game is just called Game of Thrones. It was released in 2012. This is one you're talking about, uh, the action yeah. RPG. Um, didn't review very well either. The next game is the mobile game called Game of Thrones Ascent. Obviously, you can take... It's probably like a Clash of Clans 
some BS. Uh, it's a Facebook, <laughs> plat, uh, Facebook, iOS, Android, all that stuff. Uh, the next game, uh, okay, they just re-released Game of Thrones, that the one that came out in 2012. Uh, oh no, that's the Telltale one. Okay, so there was only six because they list Game okay. of Thrones season two on here, but obviously that's as we just talked about, it might not ever happen. The other Cheer. game that's on here. This is something I didn't even know was in development, and this looks awful. Game of Thrones Seven Kingdoms is a fantasy massive multiplayer online role-playing game currently under oh, development God. by Big Point and Art Plant. I looked at them. They haven't developed anything of note. Their biggest release was uh, Battlestar Galactica Online. So don't look you for know, this game. Jared, you got to have a big... If you have a big franchise, you got to have an online. you got to <laughs> yeah. have that online multiplayer game because yeah. you get those microtransactions, you know, and... It's just every every big franchise, Marvel, and Lord of the Rings, DC Universe has an MMO. Yeah, it's like everything has an MMO or a uh, a MOBA tied to it. If it's a giant franchise, and that's just annoying. Um, so as far as Game of Thrones and what I want out of a game, uh, the whole I I love like the idea, like you said, uh, that I was talking about of creating your own house, building your own lineage, creating history. I think I one of the it. things that doesn't get talked about enough in the Game of Thrones Telltale game is that you can say whatever you want about the new characters and the story and all that stuff. I think they had a brilliant way of having the story of the Foresters tie into the main plot line and have them interact with characters from the main story in a way that affected the family that you were following but didn't wholly affect the, the main story and continuity. And I think exactly. that was brilliant because they had people. They had Ramsay. They had Tyrion. They had Cersei. They oh, Ramsay. That's another one I didn't think of. Yeah. Exactly. They had all these main characters in the show interact with these people so it felt like you were actually part of the real world. And I think that's the biggest hurdle for a Game of Thrones game is that you need to be able to have it feel as though it's part of that world. You don't want it feeling like it's in a completely different universe or so far away yeah. that it... And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to introduce those characters, like you said, but you need to have callbacks or references or just things that pay homage to the things that people actually know. And if you do that well enough, then it can you can make it matter to people. And as far as... With that being said, I would just say that it's cool that if that was kind of what we were talking about earlier about getting those famous actors or the bigger name actors for voice roles in season two if that was an issue i think they didn't have such an impact in the first season that you necessarily need to have them in season yeah. two which actually you kind of you mess around a little bit over there in season one but i think season two it'd be really cool if it was only in essos yeah i i, I think, I think cool. yeah i think having the establishing season have those characters and stuff definitely benefited it and because it's yeah. now established you don't need them as much i agree with you on that uh, as far as gameplay, I probably want it to be RPG. I mean, it's we were talking about this before, and I I really love the Lord of the Rings games. I think those games don't get enough uh, love. I thought they were very solid licensed games. Uh, some of my favorite games ever on PS2. You're talking about like the movie games, the yeah, movie exactly. Adaptations? Yeah, I thought those games are really good. Um, and to me, that's partially something I want. But the more I think about it, I don't want anything like that because, for me, I don't need to replay the show. If I want to replay the show, I'll rewatch the show because it's so good. For me, right. I want it to either take place during the current timeline and it involves a bunch of stuff we haven't seen or, like you said, I would say before, it's hard to think after because we haven't even seen the end of the... Nobody knows the way it's going to end considering the book hasn't been written and the show yeah, hasn't ended. It could be like universe-shattering epic Exactly. shit going down. 
Um, yeah, for me, just keep going back to it. Like, if you're going to have a game where you create your own character, I think being able to create your own sigil and being able to mm. create your own house and doing that, I think... Would, choosing your words, choosing the animal that represents you, all that. Exactly. It'd be so cool. Even if you get like a decision of like three different areas to um, kind of have your house, like your 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 uh, family be built in. Is is it up north? Are you alleged to the Starks? Is it kind of in the middle towards you know the Lannisters and Casterly Rock, or are you more towards your the south? Ancestral and you're home. Exactly. Like who you align with, I think would be really cool. Um, yes, yes. And uh, I, I, it's the biggest thing is time. Like, you can even have this during the current timeline and have you interact with the story. And I mean, for instance, like you could interact in the battle um, for High Garden. We didn't see that on the show. We don't know exactly what went on. So, what if some ti- like what if some people that are part of the the High Garden got away? What if? Instead of you know fighting from the perspective of the Lannisters and seeing how they conquered, what if you're on the opposite end of that and you're fighting and you're you're doing well, but you see everybody around you doing poorly, and there comes a point where you have to retreat. You know what I mean? I think there's a yeah. lot of different things that they can take into account, and I don't know what which of those is the right answer. I just think the only wrong answer is for it to be a license to the T game as we expect, where you're playing as through all these events we've already seen. That's definitely the one thing I don't want, you know, the yeah. more I think about it. I w- one thing that sucks about the show is that, and this is, you know, really only gotten worse since they've decided to truncate the episodes, is that they talk about so many places that you just don't really go to. Like, yeah. they just now got to Casterly Rock. They just now got to High Garden, as far as, you know, showing it on the show, I mean. And so that would be something that you could really do here, is, like, really dive into what High Garden feels like and what the the city there feels like and what Casterly Rock uh, um, the Casterly Rock's just like one part of it the rest of it's something landing I can't remember it's not King's Landing it's something like that anyways yeah um, I think they um, kind of a side note I think they didn't do Dorne very well in the show that, that seems from everything I've heard about the books to be a big part of the books and they screwed a lot of that shit up and they didn't spend nearly as much time as they wish they would have there so it'd be really cool to see more of that um essos you get to see because of daenerys but um you know there's still parts of it that we didn't get to see uh didn't even touch upon and then there's uh stuff going on outside of daenerys's uh influence and her storyline that would be interesting to see as well so um that would be a cool part of what this game could do, I think, is going to locations that they talk about all the time, but you don't necessarily get to see or, or really get a grip on and get a, get the feeling of. Yeah. I think, too, I think this would never happen, I don't think, but I think it'd be cool, too, if they're like, we're going to give these three couple of major studios the license to make whatever genre of game they want. Uh, and this is maybe not indie, but, like, I would really love, like, a political intrigue type of game like a Sherlock Holmesy, like not like detective-y or maybe even like politics-based where you're in the world of Game of Thrones and it maybe is during current event times and you're having to like politically navigate this this climate of seeing, you know, the the person who's wearing the crown die and how that affects this and having to negotiate and seeing how different families react and going through that whole stuff. For me that sounds really interesting, you know. I mean the whole political Game of Thrones. System. 
the the universe certainly has enough of that to, to yeah. justify such a game. Yeah. So, um, and I imagine a game that took place entirely in Essos, like you said, because you run into a, a lesser risk of having to interact with everything else. The only thing yep. that's taking place during the current timeline is having to interact with Daenerys before she left, obviously. But there's so much there. You can have interactions with the Golden Company, which is this army that we haven't really heard of a whole lot in the show. Um, and they're obviously coming into the fray. That would... I don't know. I just think there's a lot there. I think it'll more than likely going to have to be an RPG. I think uh, it's just... I don't know. I think creating the house is the one thing I think I would want most. Yes, like, my number I one, agree. dude. Yeah. So fucking cool. Yeah. Just being able... Like, they give you just an assortment of stuff and, uh, like, a mix and match options. But I want the customization option to be huge of, like, mix and match your... your your sigils of what you want and stuff like that and yeah oh man that'd be so cool oh it'd be cool you know uh kind of like a massive chalice thing uh exactly yeah a strategy game from double fine that takes place over like many generations and that would be cool if they incorporated something like that where um you build your house you do the sigil you you choose your words you choose your the area that you're located in and the house that you choose to uh ally yourselves with um but then it kind of like fast forwards you through some generations to where your house is even either built up or or torn down based on the decisions that you make that could be really cool to see that play out i mean in an rpg a lot of times we have this big thing where decisions can matter and it'd be great if you get to come to these decisions where you can literally end a family lineage or you are you are good to them and you show loyalty and then they show loyalty to you and they come in big or you show loyalty to them and then they cross you like i think there's a lot there with rpg elements that we already know of game of thrones of like just because you think you're making the right decision doesn't mean it's actually the worst decision you ever made right. you know what i mean right and i think that'd be really interesting um yeah i just we we need a triple a game of thrones game man like really yeah i mean that that was going to be my next thing is it's going to happen you know yeah. clearly with the books and the tv series and like telltale adding their thing in and then now we're going to have um you know a, an hbo spinoff and then there's also the the prequel novellas that george has done and then he's also doing the history books like it's currently being solidified as a major franchise and obviously the tv show has the biggest part to play in that equation but um, you know, it's just now coming around, I guess, over the course of time to where it's now going to be a gigantic franchise moving into the future. And so, yeah, 10, 20 years down the road, are you kidding me? We're going to have tons of, of uh, Game of Thrones games, and, you know, some of them are going to have to be good sooner or later. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because I think we'll eventually, the way down the line to get to a point where there's going to be Game of Thrones movies that take maybe the whole story we've seen and unfortunately truncate it, right? Like the way uh, we've seen other things in the past. Or maybe it is like the, the, the Harry Potter thing where it's seven movies and each movie is a season or whatever. But I do think yeah. Game of Thrones is a series that will last the test of time. Like I think this is in line with Lord of the Rings and I think that it is one of right. the greatest fantasy uh pieces of Epics. literature yeah like it's yeah. it's just so good and it's a shame that we haven't had a triple a game yet but like you said it's gonna happen and i my biggest thing is i want it to be great because i think if it's good that's fine and people enjoy it but i just want a great lord of the rings video game you know what i mean 
Because we've been I mean, spoiled think... with great books. I haven't read them yet, but obviously they're great. We've been spoiled with a great television show. Just spoil us some more with a great video game. Just give us a little you more. You said Lord of the Rings there. I think you meant Game of Thrones. Uh Oh, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, just on that last part, because yeah. I was like... Oh, yeah, I think we deserve a good Lord of the Rings game, too. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I, we do as well, yeah. Yeah, but I think that, uh, yeah, the the um, the solidification is there, and what I was going to say is the this uh, RPG that we talked about that just didn't really go anywhere that was uh, published by Atlas, so I think that takes the place of, like, okay, well, we've made a shitty Game of Thrones RPG, like, we're not going to do that again, you know? Almost yeah. kind of like how Insomniac's making their Spider-Man game at this point. It's like, all right, we've made the shitty licensed Spider-Man games. Let's do it for real this time. So I think we're on that track. And we could be entering the golden age of licensed games. You know, that'd be cool. We're if we getting just... there. It's taking longer than I expected. But you got to realize, you know, that was a, a big old train that was just rolling down the bend. And, like, even though a lot of them were shitty, I'm sure they were making money just because of the brand recognition. So... It has turned around quickly in that sense that it's really just, it hasn't turned from tons of uh, shitty licensed games coming out to now of a sudden a bunch of great licensed games coming yeah. out. But it's turned from uh, a bunch of shitty licensed games to now they just stopped really. Yep. And then I think Marvel forward, now we are Marvel's like yeah, no we're, we're gonna do this and I think other people are gonna see that so we're gonna be better, really excited better for it. Uh, we're gonna be closing out but before we do what are we gonna be playing? I'm gonna be playing Tacoma so we can talk about it next week. Um, yes. I'm halfway through the, uh, and it's not very long. I'm halfway through the Madden single player mode long shot. Loving it. Mm. Fantastic. Fantastic. By far the best awesome. sports uh, campaign narrative I've ever played, <laughs> which I've, doesn't really have anything to compete against. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, though. That It's less corny than I thought it was going to be. It's made me tear up at points, it's made me laugh wow. hysterically at points. Very Jeez. good. Um, mm. yeah, l- love it. Uh, so yeah, Tacoma that, and nothing else of note for me. I'm not buying Destiny Two. That comes out obviously next week. Uh, I'm not buying Absolver either. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much it for me. Hey, it comes at night. Is is out on digital now? So maybe check that out. Hell yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna add that to my schedule this week. I'm gonna try to watch that. I just want to commit to it and then not watch it. But that's definitely that and Wonder Woman are two movies I'm gonna try to see this week. Also on digital. There you go. Nice. Yep. Um, so for me, I'm hoping that I'm going to have some time to hop into everybody's golf. Hell yeah. Uh, which should be a jolly good time. And then um, hoping to finish up Uncharted Lost Legacy. Excuse me. Also, uh, just a few ups. Goodness me. Excuse me again. Uh, just a few episodes away from finishing the new Batman Adventures, which is like. Um, basically the tail end of Batman the Animated Series. They kind of had a little continuation there at the end with a different animation style, but it's still uh, continuity connected and all that. So I'll finish that up and then start going through Justice League. And like I said, this is, you know, the DC animated universe is very special to me. Not just the series, but the movies too. I just watched Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero the other day, and I fucking love that movie. So um, really enjoying my time spent there. As I stated, I've finished uh, in the past week Ozark and The Defenders, so um, done with that. I am finishing up also uh, last few episodes of Season 1 of Outlander, and then um, I have actually downloaded the 4K version of Season 2, so I'm excited to watch that. Um, and one thing, one issue that I had with Outlander Season 1 was that 
it does kind of draw it's it is pretty slow for the most part and they did have 16 episodes Ugh. and that made it feel even longer um, for season two they moved it down to 13 which I think should be great um, because there are great parts of that show and it is really cool and um, I do really enjoy it um, and yeah season three is coming out soon so hopefully I'll be caught up before that comes out and then um, let me see I'm just about finished with the fourth Dark Tower book Wizard and Glass I haven't been reading much recently um, in the last week I should say but uh, you know I have finished uh, book one of Song of Ice and Fire series as we've been talking about and so I've got uh, Clash of Kings sitting over there book two waiting for me so I'm thinking I might start that one. Hell yeah uh, that's pretty much it for the show. As always, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, it, it helps us grow. Even if you're not going to watch the YouTube version of the podcast, please do that. Uh, also, if you can, rate us on iTunes and follow us on iTunes. It uh, helps us there as well. The more eyes we get on this, the more people we get listening, the better uh, our show can become and the higher quality it can become. Uh, also, I want to say our thoughts are with all those people affected by Hurricane Harvey. Devastating mm. uh, for everyone affected in Texas uh, and mm. the southern United States unfortunate there but it seems like there's a lot of people raising uh, a lot of money for the efforts to help people uh jj watt from the houston texans i think has already raised seven million dollars uh which is astounding uh the owner of the new york jets and the owner of the houston texans had both donated a million dollars which is fascinating um it's really great um unfortunate whenever a natural disaster like that happens the last one to this account that happened in the united states i think was katrina because the last big natural disaster in the in the course of like in the entire world was probably the Japanese tsunami um, yeah. whenever this stuff happens it's like you know it's a nature we can't control it this isn't this isn't a terrorist attack or something where you kind of feel as may, if maybe it could have been prevented this is like just right. something we have to deal with for living on this planet it's awful so yeah yeah so our thoughts are out to all those people affected uh, next week episode 71 it'll be Jordan and I Dom will still be gone But he'll be back for episode 72, and we'll catch you guys then. Bye.